Welcome to Spiritist Conversations, a show where we sit down with friends to talk about the world through a spiritist lens in an informal, unscripted, and unplugged way. I'm your host, Dennis Sisi. This time around, we start a conversation about divine justice and reincarnation from a hotel room in San Francisco where Flavio and Dan are attending a technology conference. And we do it late at night too. Well, at least for Susanna, who's on the other side of the country in Miami. We're also trying something new here video. If you prefer to see this program rather than listen to it, head over to our YouTube channel. Just search for Spiritist Conversations. In the meantime, pull up a chair and make yourself comfortable. The conversation is about to start. Everyone, this is Daniel Flavio and Susanna back again to talk to you one more time about a very interesting and special topic today: reincarnation and divine justice. As you can tell, we are trying something else new here. We are trying this video thing, and you have the opportunity and the chance to see these great people on the video. Hopefully, you won't be looking at me because I'm not much to look at. But we're very excited to have Flavio and Susanna back here with us to talk today. How are you doing, Susanna? Hey, guys. I'm doing okay. It's about 11.20 p.m. in Miami. And I'm excited to be joining you guys for this new conversation. It's only 8.20 here, so we're good, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you getting is what we promised you, unscripted conversations from whatever in the world we are. Today, we are brought together last minute because Flavio and I happen to be attending the same conference for work, and we decided to, you know, start talking about spiritism when we thought, well, how can we do this without Susanna? Let's just call her really late tonight and give her 15 <laughs> minutes warning and say, hey, Susanna, can you get in front of the computer in 15 minutes? Because we're going to talk about spiritism. And lo and behold, guess what? Susanna made it. Thank you, Susanna. Unscripted. That's, that's our theme, right? Yeah, that sounds very unfair. That's 8 o'clock over there and 11 here. But that takes us into the topic of justice, doesn't it? It's a good segue for that topic, right? Because uh, um, today, if you look at the world, a lot of people think that the world's not just. There are a lot of uncertainties. There are a lot of difficulties. There are a lot of problems, right? A lot of catastrophes. How can we explain that, right? If we use a, a, a spiritist lens or prison, how can we even start the conversation, right, in order to, uh, to, get, to, to get our tones in place? How can you, Flavio? How can you start the conversation? <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so, look, for example, if uh, 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 people are suffering or there's, you know, catastrophes or disasters, 
usually people, oh, you know, God is not just because those people over there are going through all, so many difficulties and we're here, we're living our lives, you know, business as usual. That's a, that's a common a topic that we hear, you know, very often or very commonly, you know, across across the places, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that, again, it speaks, it speaks for uh, the word divine justice, right? If we believe that everything happens for a reason, and if these folks over here in one, one part of the globe are going through a lot of difficulties, whereas other folks in different parts of the globe are not, how can God be just or fair treating people differently? Or is there a God, right? I think that you nailed it. Oftentimes folks uh, talk to me and then say, well, you know, I, I, I don't think that there is a God because I cannot explain these differences that I see out in the world. If I hold a God to be all loving and all just, the world around us, which seems pretty chaotic, doesn't seem to lend itself to the idea that there is a God. So I oftentimes hear that, that whole idea, how can there be a, that God, in, or where is God when all this happened, right? So um, I find that oftentimes we struggle that, especially in Christianity, to understand that because of some preconceived notions. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but when I start grappling a little bit more with reincarnation, and try to search for evidence and also understanding how you could impact my whole worldview, um, my whole life changed a little bit, right, when I started seriously considering that. But um, all in all, it's a pretty, pretty powerful concept, I think, for me at least. And it's one that I, I, I feel like it's brought up regularly for folks who, um, who want to know more about it and, and can't really reconcile the idea of, of God and the, the just world that Flavio was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, let me just um, before we even go into reincarnation, right? Uh, Daniel said something about um, God, and um, he used the word um, chaos. Um, you know, we look at this chaotic world where we live in, and how can we even like consider an idea of God? And it's interesting because that's one of the things that I find myself often talking with um, the study groups here in our uh, center. It is um, how narrow our vision is. Um, so when we talk about chaos and we have this sense of chaos, which, by the way, I too a lot of times can get into this mindset that chaos is actually real. But then, you know, I always invite uh, people that I'm talking to to kind of take a, a broader approach and look at um, reality, not from this narrow perspective of what we can see with our physical eyes, but without even thinking about spirit, just looking at the universe itself and looking at, you know, the discoveries. This week, this week we had a lecture here with Julio Carvalho where he talks about God and he took us into a journey into all the discoveries that talk about the universe and the size of our galaxy and the many numbers of galaxies that are out there. And I, I couldn't even repeat all the things that he said about it, all the measurements and speed and things like that. So, but it just gave me like, for the moment that I was listening to him, this perspective of like, wow. When we talk about chaos, we're looking at this tiny, tiny little reality that we find ourselves in. But if you would just, and you don't have to think about all the universes that there is, one is enough to 
have a sense that actually there is there is harmony and there is a plan. The issue is what is the plan and how that plan works that justifies what seems to be the inequality. So it seems like we're having some technical difficulties to hear everything that Susanna said. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that or not. But Did you uh, follow me? I, I did. I did follow you a little bit. I think that you were talking about scale, right? Um, just the scale of the universe and the vastness of reality that's out there as opposed to the reality that we manufacture in our heads, right? In our right. worlds from our day-to-day. -day. And, I, and I agree with you. I'm always often taken by that. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen, um, so I like these like cosmological things and astronomical things. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to watch the old series Cosmos, uh, which was recently remade. And I, and I, I love that. And in one of the first episodes, if I'm not mistaken, they have, um, they break down the history of the universe into a 365 day calendar, right? So basically in terms of equivalence, it says, if we were to squeeze the entire history of the universe as we know it from the Big Bang to right now into a year, right? So that we can have a, a proportion of things, like mm -hmm. human beings would only have come about in the last like 20 seconds of December 31st or whatever it is, right? So it's just fascinating, and, I, and it's really worth a reference. So if you have a chance, go back and search for that. I'm sure you're going to find that on the, on the Internet. But it's amazing because of what Susanna was saying is there is this big objective reality out there, and then there's this tiny realities that we make for ourselves because maybe we want psychologically to be in control of things to feel better about our lives, and we agonize over really small things, right? Um, and so, so that's where I was thinking when Susanna was talking about it. And I think that reincarnation, from that perspective, frees me a little bit from that and helps me see that as a human being, as a spirit, I am more than just this moment right now. It kind of expands me a little bit more. Um, and it helps me more, be more tolerant of others as well because of that. Um, but anyways, I don't want to go too far. But does that sound right, Susanna? Is that where, you, where you're getting at or are you... Yes, I mean what I was what I was saying is that um you know when I put things into this perspective is that the idea of chaos is an illusion. That's where I was um the link that I was trying to make. There is no true chaos. There is chaos only in our very narrow uh perception and ability to see. So if there is no chaos and there is an order and there is a force that is in control, whether you call it God or not, then how do we justify and understand the inequalities? Yeah, but let, let me let me throw you know a little curveball to that comment, Susanna, because many people may think that okay, there's a plan for everything, right? Maybe there's destiny for everything that I do. Mm -hmm. You see how, how difficult that 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 gets, right? Yeah. To uh, yeah. to go over that. If there's a plan for everything, what happened to my free will? What happened to my power to make decisions that are going to impact my own future? Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe the the word wasn't the best word. I didn't mean to say that there was a plan in that sense, but that there is an order in the universe. That my only point was that there is no chaos. There is an order. There is a force that shows that the entire universe is in harmony. And so 
you know, when we look at our day-to-day, we're looking at a speck, a tiny, tiny fraction of this entire universe. And so we, we, we have the perception that things are out of order and that we live in a chaos. But this tiny, tiny thing that we are, that we call our planet and our reality, is a speck in the universe. And everything in the universe speaks about order and harmony. And so I was just making a point of like, in face of the order and the harmony there is in the universe. So going back, how do we explain? And I was just taking on what Daniel said, because he did use the word chaos. And so, right? And I I can jump, I I am 100% on board with what you're saying. And two things jump to mind. One is, there cannot be chaos if you truly embrace the idea of God or creator, right? Because otherwise you see the creator is not in control, right? Mm-hmm. That would deny this idea of all powerful, all loving creator. Um, and so the other alternative is to realize that maybe the, the challenge is on our side, like you're saying, right? That we can't see, we only see chaos and we don't see all the order. And in my mind, it's analogous for us, to us looking at a movie, right? When we only see like a tiny scene from a movie, we don't often get what the whole plot is about. But if we zoom out and, and see the whole movie, then we understand that somebody who might appear to be a bad person in this one part is actually a good guy, right? We just miss that one piece. And I feel like oftentimes in life, we are that one frame. Like we are, this lifetime is this one frame that we're looking at. And when we're looking just in that frame, we can't see what Susanna was saying, which is you can't see the sense of order of the things because there was a scene before that, right? And that scene before the one you're seeing sets up what you're seeing right now. Perfect. There's a great story that highlights that uh, from a book called uh, uh, Picking Cotton. I'm not sure if you guys have read that book. So I'm going to try to summarize that very very succinctly or very quickly. So this guy, uh, uh, Ronald uh, Cotton, gets picked up uh, by the police and goes, gets thrown you know, into jail for a crime that he did not commit. So he's sentenced to life in prison for raping Jennifer, and Jennifer points him. He, she's 100% you know, sure she, he was the one who raped her. So he gets sent into jail. Right? We all know how our jail systems right, are and uh, for a crime that he did not commit. Uh, he gets a chance to a second trial. During the second trial, he gets sentenced to death, right? Of course, imagine the emotions that go and, and the bubble in his head. Uh, one day before he had a plan to end his life, his dad visits him in prison, right? His dad is a, 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 was a, a pastor back then and tells uh, to Ronald, Ronald, I have no idea why that is, but there's definitely a plan for everything that's happening to you. I have no idea, but God must have a plan for you, right? So long story short, the father is able to convince Ronald not to kill himself, meaning that there was a reason for that to happen, right? And that he wasn't aware of what there was. Long story short, he gets, you know, uh, his sentence is reversed. After spending 12 years in prison, he meets Jennifer afterwards, right? Jennifer's, of course, she's, uh, she's sorry for what happened. They become best friends, and they travel all across the U.S., Right, uh, campaigning against death penalty. So if any one of us talks about death penalty or against death penalty, we're a very small, tiny voice. If someone that was in death row 
for a crime that he did not commit, talks about death penalty, that has a much you know, significant weight, right? A much heavier weight than our own voices, our own tiny voices. So I think that's a, that's a great story that exemplifies. Yes, uh, the challenge is how to see, right, the reason for everything that happens to us. Because we're always looking, you know, very down uh, inside, as opposed to trying to remove ourselves from the picture and look at the uh, 30,000 feet perspective, which is not always easy, right? No, that's super hard, right? Because let's, let's just try to put ourselves into somebody's shoes that, that they don't believe in, in God or, or that 30,000 feet perspective, right? All we see on Earth is this lopsided system where um, some people are born in families that obviously have a little bit of an easier time or a lot of bit of an easier time through life. Some folks, um, you know, don't even have uh, are, are are born and immediately given away and don't even have a, a parental support to grow. And some people are are uh, end up being really wealthy because of the family and others are sometimes born without limbs, right? So there's clearly a discrepancy. And if we only look at that one lifetime to be the measure of all things, we can see how people, for lack of a better term, go into this race, but they're starting from different places. And I think we can agree that's obvious, right? When we look around, we see that some people are definitely starting from, uh, from with a greater, uh, let's say, a handicap, right, socially speaking. Disadvantage, than yeah. Yeah, disadvantage, thank you. I thought a handicap is in the is in the race, you know, like a horse race, um, and so um, it, clearly that's 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 challenging, and it becomes really hard for us to to understand why that happens if we don't bring reincarnation to the mix, right? If so you let, don't think let, of reincarnation, then you don't you can't explain why is it that some people are in certain situations and others are not. Every time, time. yeah, that, that's amazing because every time you know the idea of divine justice or, or reincarnation or of God overseeing everything, being all-powerful and all-loving and, and just. I, I come back to a quote from um, Epicurus, one of the Greek philosophers from 300 you know, uh, BC, that he's, he says something like this, right? So if God is able to prevent evil, but he's not able to, right? maybe he's not all-powerful. If he's able to prevent evil, but he doesn't want to do it, maybe he's malevolent, right? And if he's able and, and willing to do it, but he cannot really overcome evil, why call him God? So when we hear those, those phrases, and he it was a philosopher right, trying to question the existence of God and all that, when you hear those phrases that God's not able to prevent all the evil that may happen to us, right? we're only seeing evil from a very short-sighted vision of it's evil for me now, something bad's happening to me now, right? and that it's not fair, the world's not just. How can we extrapolate that vision and try to find a much higher or much more uh, important reason for all the uh, so-called bad things that happen to us? Uh, uh, you know, Flavio, while you were talking over there, something else came to my mind. Um, you know, you were saying about evil things that happens to us. And I know that we are talking about the concept of reincarnation, but even before talking about the concept of reincarnation comes the concept of immortality, the immortality of the soul. And so there are a lot of um, folks out there that may not believe in reincarnation, but do believe in the immortality of the soul. And they believe that the soul goes on. And, you know, um, with that, 
the life of the spirit is the real life and this time here is just what it is. It's a time. And that always brings me back because recently I did talk to someone about this um, premature death, deaths of kids, which is uh, excruciating. I cannot even imagine now that I am a mother uh, and you guys are fathers, what would it feel like to lose um, a, a child at a young age? So um, it seems pretty unfair. And what I find interesting is to find actually spiritists who would say, make statements um, such as, um, oh my gosh, this uh, child or this young person had such a bright future ahead of him or ahead of her. And when we read the gospel according to spiritism in chapter 5, um, there's some interesting uh, statements there that really uh, challenge us in our ways of thinking because this particular statement, what a bright future he or she would have here, is still a very materialistic type of statement yep. because we are considering that the bright, our bright future is here in this planet of uh, trials and expiations and is still characterized by tremendous amount of suffering. And so I like very much that passage in the gospel where um, the spirits uh, compare it to two very good friends being imprisoned, and then one of them is uh, released uh, before the other one, and how the person who stays behind in prison would feel like. Would he or she want for the friend who was released to stay in the jail with them? Or would they feel happy that they actually are done with their time? And that's how they uh, they put this thing into perspective. So I always find this interesting. It's not into the topic of reincarnation, but it's an exercise even for us who are experiences to, of course, there's the pain, there's the suffering. It's always going to be because for us in our condition, it is still very hard, the, the separation and, and the physical distance, it is a, it is a, a real uh, cause of suffering for us in our level of evolution. But to, to see what people say and how we speak about it, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting because even for us who are spiritists and uh, deep believers in the mortality of the soul, we still make statements that makes um, this lifetime here sounds like the real thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And I, and I think it's not out of place at all, your comment about immortality of the soul, right? Because if we don't go into the immortality of the soul, it becomes really hard for us to get reincarnation, right? Because you can't believe right. reincarnation without believing that. I think that makes a lot of sense in many different ways. And, and it makes me think, too, of the different beliefs that one can have about the immortality of the soul, right? And I see that quite often. I see people who believe that the soul is created a conception, and that the soul then goes on after that, after the, the physical body. There are those who believe that the soul has already existed before, uh, you know, we are born and then it lives on afterwards. There are even those who believe that the soul is created when we are born and then the soul dies when we die, right? Uh, which seems to defeat the whole purpose of having a soul. But, um, <laughs> right, like, <laughs> I'm not criticizing, but I'm just like in my own brain to kind of think yeah. about it. And obviously, are those who don't believe that there is a soul at all, right? And obviously, everybody can have their own perspective. But, and I think that we can talk quite a bit about, um, you know, 
the benefits or the implications, philosophically speaking, of divine justice based on reincarnation. But if I, if, if, if I may, I want to throw a curveball at both of you guys and say, pretending that I'm on the other side of this conversation and saying, well, they're talking about reincarnation, but how do I know that there is reincarnation? What kind of proofs and evidence is out there that in fact there is reincarnation, right? Rather than a philosophical debate that we're having here, which basically says, like, if there is a God and God is just and there, there has to be reincarnation, are there things out there and studies and things that we can refer to to lend some credence to the idea that there is actually reincarnation? Oh, the one that uh, comes to my mind uh, right off the bat is uh, the work that uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson has done in a couple of the works. One of the, uh, his memorable books is uh, 20 Suggestive Cases of Reincarnation from after interviewing over a thousand kids. And, you know, these kids would remember their previous lives. And oftentimes these previous lives had nothing to do with their current lives. For example, different locations, different cities. He traveled, you know, across the world, uh, started in India, but that, that's a phenomenon that he, he observed uh, uh, in many, many different countries from kids, very early ages, they would remember, and he would validate those, those stories investigating, going after the really root cause of those stories from children who remember previous lives. This is a methodologically, you know, a, a study that he has done you know, across throughout multiple years of his uh, research life. And this is one that uh, it speaks very highly of, you know, again, reincarnation. But at the end of the day, Daniel, if um, uh, I'll throw you a curveball again, right? So not to prove that reincarnation exists, how about, can you prove that reincarnation doesn't exist? How about that? How about that, Flavio? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Very well, sir. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> um, no, but I think that's a valid question. I think, I, think, I think a lot of materialistic folks, and I mean materialistic in the nicest possible way, people. I mean people who focus on the material being the only existence, right? Now, I'm not telling you that you're attached to money and buying cars and living it up in Vegas. That's not what I'm saying. We just saying need we just need these words to kind of differentiate. Differentiate, yeah. Thank yeah. Um, I say like, well, you know, I die and then nobody has ever come back and told me about reincarnation, right? That's one way I think I would, I would try to prove that there is no reincarnation, but people have actually come back and told us about reincarnation, right? Yep. I think what Flavia was saying was really interesting with Ian Stevenson because of the choice of children, right? Because he wanted his memories, his uh, the, the recollections with children because of the fact that they were young and they couldn't have been acculturated or influenced yet. Um, but I also find other interesting cases along with Ian Stevenson's of folks who also do uh, regression, past life regression, right? right. Another interesting thing. Um, like, you know, we, we have Brian Wise and um, Andrew Newberry, I think. Now, now that's the... the that's the uh, uh, the uh, the other guy. What's the Carol Bowman? Carol Bowman. Carol Bowman. Yep. So there's all these people who you know have stumbled into the fact that we're trying to oftentimes uh, regress back to childhood to find out the origin of that trauma and find themselves. Oops, we went a little behind, you know, before that, and now these people are having these memories that uh, are hard to explain. There's one other instance, but. I also want to pull out a third factor that I think that uh, for us it's a little bit more common and for some of folks might not be is mediumship, right? Uh, through mediumship, our spirit mentors and guides have also been able to come back and tell us uh, that they too have had previous lives, 
right? So we add another proof point to the, to, to the piece there. Not only are there studies based on Dr. Ian Stevenson and many others, there's a regression, there is um, mediumship communication with those who no longer have a physical body and telling us, hey, I, I used to have one before and I had many lives. So these yeah. are three, uh, two other things that I would add to the list there as well, Flavio. but I can't yeah. disprove it ultimately, like the way yeah. you look at it, right? Exactly, right? So people, people ask uh, oftentimes, hey, can you prove regression exists? Well, can you prove it doesn't exist? First of all, it, it's one of those things, right? There's another book that I would say it's a much easier There's always read. one, right, Susanna? There's always that annoying kid in the There's back. There's always one man. that keeps raising They're questions. They're ruining for and, the rest of us. No, but I'll make it easy on you guys. There's, a, there's also a book for the uh, readers, right? People that like to read called uh, Soul Survivor, The Reincarnation of a World War II Fighter Pilot. It's a much easier read from uh, yeah. uh, the parents of James Leninger, who they're really puzzled that their two-year-old son began screaming, right, cheating phrases and having some really nightmares, remembering his life as a fighter pilot during World War II. And it's, again, it's a, it's, it's a great movie. There are also a CNBC documentary on, on that couple, on the little James, who would remember his previous life. He ends up going to a, a veteran reunion, and he meets some of his colleagues, and he would remember some of his colleagues. So it's an amazing read that, again, much easier than... Stevenson, who who is a scholar, who is a researcher, right? It, it's a much oh. heavier read, but oh, I remember a... the name of the guy that I forgot, Michael Newton. Michael Newton. Mike, yes. Michael Newton. He did Journey of Souls and the books and so forth, and he was he also did a study of uh, in between lives. He would address people to in between lives, um, yeah. which is which is interesting as well. Sorry, I had to um, you know I no the problem at all. all things, so I had to interrupt you. So when you mentioned Carol Bauman, she was also a psychologist who helped little James, or, or James the, the, uh, the third, in his, uh, his uh, remembrances, right, of his previous life. Do you know if at this point in his life, I mean, the, this documentary that you're talking about was um, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe, um, I'm not sure, but I wonder if at this point of his life, he still has the same memories. I think That's I remember hearing something that, you know, which is very common that uh, during childhood, those memories are a little bit more alive and um, kids can get more easily in touch with them. And then as they grow, a lot of times it kind of fades away. So I'm, I, thought I, I thought I heard something that he, he uh, currently could no longer, he didn't have the same memories anymore, which is just yeah, interesting. I yeah, I don't have any details on that. I think the book was written in 2010. If I'm not mistaken, he was seven years old by then. So I right. think more years to be 13 right now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I do not know uh, if he still remembers. It, it's, it's a great point, Susanna, yes. But I want, I want to go back to when, when you mentioned the uh, uh, chapter five of the Gospel According to Spiritism, and you said that uh, I actually beg to, to disagree that he has everything to do with reincarnation because. The title of don't beg, don't beg, just disagree. I disagree. <laughs> that's why I am, right? Blessed are the afflicted, right? The justice of afflictions. And if we don't really believe that our lives, our lives will go beyond this one, some of our afflictions, right, cannot be justified, right? To Daniel's point, if I'm born with all my limbs, you know, if I'm born with capacity to learn, right? If I'm born in a, in a well-loved family, meaning that I have no abuse when I was growing up, I mean, it was very stable and, 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 and uh, uh, stable life, stable family, right? Or stable life overall versus some of my brothers and sisters 
who are born into much more difficult situations, how can you understand, how can you explain their afflictions in light of comparing their afflictions with mine that seem very small? So again, the, the gospel talks about that, that the whole uh, promise that Jesus brought to us was the life after that, right? The life, the, our, our real life, which is beyond the grave, right? So if you don't you know, put that into perspective, it, it gets very, it becomes very difficult to, uh, to really comprehend the way I, I personally believe, I personally believe reincarnation. Yeah, um, I was, I have a, a patient right now in the clinic. I've been treating this guy for maybe two months and he's a patient with Parkinson's disease. Um, and he is in his eighties, was a successful man and pretty bitter. And so at this point, every single day, believe me, every single day that I see him for therapy twice a week, at some point in the middle of the treatment, he looks at me and he says, why me? Why me? And then I have been asking him, why not you? What makes you so special? And, you know, he's like, I was a good person. And I said, so is it that only the so-called bad people right, um, get sick and have, have uh, diseases and things like that. So it was interesting because little by little, and I had other patients with like, I had a guy who was a professor and was suffering tremendously because he was fully aware of his cognitive deficits. And so, you know, when I have a, a, a little bit of a window, I try to talk to them and make, I, I usually ask them, do you have any um, spiritual beliefs? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in anything at all to see if I can put out there um, some concepts? Because as you said, it's just like, you know, what spiritism gives us. Uh, it does not take the, the, the pain, the difficulties, the challenges away, but it just puts everything into perspective. First of all, it gives you this resignation where you, um, this active acceptance is not that you're not going to fight anymore, but this peace from knowing that everything is fine. There is a reason whether you can see or not, whether you can understand or not, the certainty deep inside you that there is a reason in that the idea that the entire universe is conspired for your well-being. It's not against you. Everything, the entire life, all the circumstances are, are conspiring for your spiritual growth. It just adds such an incredible twist and an incredible different taste to everything that we undergo in this life, right? It does. And oh, yeah. with that thought, let's make a quick pause and we will be right back um, continuing those words from Susanna. Hello, dear friends. If you're here listening to the Spiritist Conversations podcast, you already know that we live forever. However, do you also know that there is a Spiritist radio on the internet for our listening pleasure and the nourishment of our souls? This is Kardec Radio, and we have a wide range of shows, from live interviews to shows for teens and kids. We even have a show about Spiritist books every Wednesday. Mackenzie and Francisca read a book chapter followed by a discussion about its teachings. It is always eye-opening. Do you want to know more? Kardecradio.com Visit us. Share the love. Nourish your soul. And we're back. 
so quickly. Maybe because we don't have any sponsors. Maybe because we don't have any commercials. But maybe you could announce and sponsor our program. Maybe you could share with us some of, of announcements. Maybe you can call in and tell us what you want us to talk about. There's lots of maybes in that question. At one point in time, maybe we should stop asking questions about maybes. But um, following up on, on Susanna's great point, which is really the I think, key to this, right? I, as you were talking, Susanna, I remember one of my favorite um, uh, parts, I think, of, of uh, Kardec's work, which is, I think, Tom Sinking's introduction of the Mediums book. And he said something fantastic. He said something, you know, something that we already know based on our uh, empirical observation of the world. We know that every effect has a cause. So if something exists, it's because it was caused by something else, right? And then he goes further to say, from a spiritual perspective, that if the causes to an effect are not visible in this lifetime, then they must be from a previous life. And I found that to be incredibly powerful and simple in the same way, right? So if the causes for a problem that I might be facing now cannot be found in my current life, it is quite possible they come from a previous life, right? They're just a continuation from that one scene to the next in the movie, yeah. except that I haven't had the privilege of being privy to seeing the previous scene which also should also make sure that we don't, we don't create excuse for ourselves, right? We shouldn't say, oh, yes, you know, I was born with a shortcoming, you know, my stomach, uh, you know, it, I have an ulcer. Well, it's because maybe in this lifetime you abused food, right? So right. don't blame it on a past life. Like there's a cause and consequence thing. But there's a great beautiful message there in the fact that the consequence of our actions kind of continue when we look ourselves past just one scene, just one life. And as you were talking about it, you know, the whole thing of like, why not you? What a powerful question, right? Right? And say, oh, why me? Why not you? What makes it so special to think that everybody else needs to deal with the consequences of their actions, but not me? Right? right. Or, or the whole chaos thing again, right? Like, it's all chaotic out there because I don't understand it. If I understand it, everything's great. But if I don't understand, I'm going to call it chaos, right? Because I am the center of the universe. If I close my eyes like a kid, all of you guys disappear, so you guys just don't exist. Right? Um, it's a little bit of a juvenile logic, but it, we still do it every day, right? Oh, yeah. It. It's juvenile, but still very present in our, our daily lives, right? That's, that's the way it is. Uh, there, there's a quote from uh, Emmanuel, the spirit guide. I don't remember exactly the word. Flavio's full of quotes today. Did you see that? Story? I know. Imagine that. It's very <laughs> um, <laughs> And This is, by the way, guys, this is unscripted unplanned, right? And imagine if we had actually planned for this. And the code goes somewhere along Well, if we had that. planned for this, you would probably, if you're watching this, you'll probably see that we have better backdrops. Oh, yes. We're literally in <laughs> hotel rooms right now. So. <laughs> so let me see if I can remember the code somewhere, somehow. So Emmanuel, the spirit guy, talks about human justice, right? Uh, still responsible, by the way. He usually judges... Facts, they are considered punishable, right? So if you've done this, because if you've done a crime, you do the time, right? Something like that. Whereas if you look at divine justice overall, it observes our occurrences from the smallest impulses, our smallest ideas, right? That are even that are both present and beforehand are from this, from this, uh, on this lifetime. So when you look at that as a movie, you know, uh, 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 pictures, right? We're only seeing a very tiny fraction of the movie. Divine Justice sees the entire movie, right? And it gives us the best place. That's why we say that 
In Spiritism, we like to say that we are in the best place, with the best people around us, with the best circumstances, so which that we can continue growing spiritually. And sometimes one of these you know, difficulties, one of these obstacles, is so much given so that it enables us to do better in life. It enables us to really progress towards our, our really our real life, which is not our material life, which is not our physical life. Look, look for example, when there are some of these catastrophes, right? Look how much, uh, how much charity, how much eagerness to help arises from people's hearts, right? Oh, how much everybody you know volunteers, everybody really uh, is in the mood to help those who are in need, right? Whereas if everything is going business as usual, all those you know it, it wouldn't be the same as we know, right? So great question. I think it has everything to do with what we're talking about, right? The difference between uh, human justice, divine justice, and our own difficulties, obstacles, who are always, right, helpful for us somehow, some way, even if we not, we feel we don't comprehend them at fullest, right? You know what? I was thinking while you were, you were talking about it, because I was thinking that we talked about um, how some folks need some kind of evidence to leap into the pond of reincarnation, right? Um, and so we talked about Ian Stevens and so forth. And I was also thinking about folks who prefer to get their facts from, from elsewhere, right, other than science. And, and sometimes I get uh, questions about that. Well, I really want to believe in reincarnation. I think it makes a lot of sense. But I don't find any basis to that in the Bible, in, New, in the New Testament. Um, how would you guys react to that? Apparently, you wouldn't react to that at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, quotes, there are a lot of, uh, in the scriptures themselves, right? The, the one that really strikes me is, you know, Elijah and John the Baptist, right? Uh, this is, a, it's a great comment that Jesus made that to John, the, I mean, if you look at that from, from there are a lot of, lot of passages, a lot of quotes that can exemplify that, that we would need maybe, you know, additional minutes uh, to to cover though, but again, definitely at the present, right in the New Testament. One thing that actually my, my yeah, one thing actually my mind went a little bit in a different direction. Um, I was thinking about uh, folks who actually do believe that there is um, order, that there is God, that there is justice, and they don't believe in reincarnation. Right, so that's just another um, uh, yeah. facet to it. I had I had a, a person who um, a, a girl from Brazil who uh, was part of our center for a long time, very Catholic. Um, she did enjoy the center. She enjoyed the concepts. One day she asked, came to me, and she said, uh, "Would is it a problem if I um, don't believe in reincarnation? Because I really would like to continue to come." But it really does not fit my mind or, you know, my belief system. I like everything else. I just cannot, you know, and she was a very, uh, um, you know, faithful in, in her uh, Catholic system. And um, so I just kind of want to throw that out there because uh, I think that for us, it helps in, you know, what that makes me think, and I don't know what you guys think about it, but what that makes me think is like, 
Well, um, whether she believes it or not, she is an immortal being. And in our understanding, she has lived before, she will continue to live. And so the spirit perhaps instinctively brings in, in, in himself or herself the sense of uh, immortality and the sense of God's justice somehow. How do we reconcile this? That's, that's great. Did you tell her about the spiritist buffet? The what? That, that spiritist, spiritist is like bu- a buffet. You can come and you can have any little piece of it and still partake in the meal. You don't have yeah. to eat the entire buffet spread <laughs> to be called yourself a spiritist. So hopefully she can, she can, can still keep coming and, and talking to us about that, even if it's uh, <laughs> the pancakes, the spiritist pancakes of yeah. reincarnation. But to, to, uh, to go back to your point, I think it's a, it's a really great perspective because I can see how that is a difficult thing to reconcile because we have been accustomed to different systems of thinking that don't take reincarnation into account. Even though if we go back, for instance, to the creation of the New Testament, back into the Council of Nicaea, back in the third century or whatever it is, we're going to see that the creation of the New Testament and, it, and everything else was a little convoluted. We can talk maybe about that some other time. But what I found yeah. interesting, too, because I thought about this, and I get that question oftentimes. And for me, I can tell you, for me, how I work it out in my mind. Right? Um, I, I, I try to zoom back to God and say, well, if I only have one life, this whole idea of heaven and hell based on one life becomes a somewhat unfair proposition, right? Because if we're talking about being rewarded for the rest of eternity, and I cannot even grasp eternity, right? I cannot even yeah. grasp more than like a thousand, a thousand years is hard for me to grasp, really hard, right? Um, yeah. So am I really being judged on 60, 80 years if I'm lucky, right? On those 80 years, am I going to, am I going to be judged on 80 years to, to, and that's going to decide millions and millions of years of my existence afterwards. That sounds pretty unfair when I don't even do that with my kid, right? I don't judge my kid for the moment where he ate two candies, right, before going to sleep when I told him not to, and he's wired <laughs> up, right? Of course, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not very happy generally then, but next day, I'm not going to be saying, well, you can never eat candy ever again, or you can never eat anything but vegetables again because of that one time that you ate, you know, an extra piece of candy. Right? So I, I think that in my mind, when I think about God and justice, I find it hard for us to justify some of uh, the models that, sociologically speaking, we've built for ourselves over history that tells us that we are judged over 60 years of, you know, it doesn't sound fair. And how about no. the people that, that don't even have that, right? How about, like, Susanna was talking about the, the kids who die, the infants who die really young, right? So how do you get judged on those three days that you lived, maybe 30 minutes, how is that decided? It sounds hard for me to reconcile. I think it's it's very philosophical in, in the way, in the sense that uh, uh, it, it's very unfair to some and, and and privileged to others, right? So that tells me that God loves these folks more than those folks over there. And to me, that's not that's not a fair God. Right? That that cannot be God if if it's not fair, it's not just, if it's not loving all of us, right? As uh, as His children or as its children. When I look at Daniel, I have, I have twins. Right? Everybody knows I have twins. Or, you know, if you don't know, I have two uh, four-year-old twins. And not, everybody, not everybody knows, Flavio. Yeah, okay. No, you guys know. Not everybody, like, you guys know. So if the you, way uh, I look at them. Hello, hello, everyone. Flavio has twins. And if you want to know more about Flavio's life, go to www. 
cameras 24-7 and flagslife.com to get to know everything about his life and everything he does. How, how does how Thank does you for the joke. Sounds much better. WW, no, just kidding. So uh, what I was mentioning was I look at them as two separate individuals, right? And, and, and when I look at them as two separate individuals, some of them, you know, sometimes are going to do all those th- things that I look at, oh, yeah, maybe so-and-so is not having a good day today, or maybe so-and-so is not having a good day the other day. Yet they're su- two separate individuals, and I love them the same, right? So if something happens there, I still love them the same. So when I look at God, you know, of course, you know, extrapolate our own loving to our own kids, right? The way we believe love, God loves us in a much more uh, superlative meaning that is the ultimate loving, right? Uh, father and mother. It, 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 I can't even fathom to, to believe that he would love some children more than others. And in that same essence, if you were born in one way, in one circumstance, one set of circumstances, right? You're going to get preferential treatment. To me, that's not, that, that's not God, right? And if I didn't believe in reincarnation, if I didn't believe that God, I mean, God was just, I would have probably be living God at all. And I understand why some folks uh, refuse to believe in a God that treats some better than others, because they themselves cannot treat one of their sons, one of their children, better than the other. And I mean, it's perfectly understandable, right, where they're coming from. Guys, um you know, I just want to put in there that, um, you know, the idea of reincarnation can be very challenging for many people. Um, one of the greatest, greatest uh, challenges that comes with the idea of reincarnation is that it destroys completely anything that separates us. And so, like, for example, um, race. So race is an illusion because it's material. Um, and for some people, the idea of being born in a different race, if they have prejudices, can be extremely um, comfortable. Exactly. Uh, or the idea that you could be born in a different gender. Um, so it's, if you think about it, it's, it's uh, I think for many people, uh, it can be extremely um, challenging, and even and even you know we spiritists we have our own share of biases because um, you know the this whole uh, concept of uh, immortal spirits at times is still a lot more cognitive belief system than it is a uh, inner uh, reality, uh, so to speak. So I remember discussing gender in a study group and having one guy who really, really was clearly uncomfortable with the idea of possibly being born as a woman in a, in a next life. For him, it was, uh, you know, with all the, the um, issues with uh, women and the sense that women is inferior and it's not as powerful and it's not as good. You know, it was clear part of his psychology and um, it was incredibly difficult. So, it, you know, it's late. Uh, we're not going to be able to delve too deep into this, but I just want to kind of, you know, put this aspect because we didn't talk about it. And it does not speak so much to the issue of inequalities, but just the challenge with accepting the idea of reincarnation. 
I think yeah, if I could throw a if I could throw a um, a small you know, uh, uh, um, set of words for that is uh, the whole purpose of us in this life or in our lives is to achieve moral you know uh, perfect relative perfection right so to grow spiritually speaking and there are certain situations or circumstances that we can only experience in in one sex or in one gender or in one circumstance versus the other. So, for example, guys will never have the ability to experience what it is to give birth, right, because it's physically impossible to do so. Uh, again, same way that since we have to know all these things, we have to progress in all angles, in all directions, we have to come back and be born in different situations, right? One time, you know, being very wealthy to understand how that is. Other times being not so wealthy or poor, understand what that is, right? Uh, wealth versus, you know, poverty, you know, uh, male versus female. In terms of experiencing all the aspects of what's going to make us, right, progress spiritually. So when you look at that from those lenses, or from that, from that lens specifically, it makes, I believe it makes it easier to understand the, the whole picture. But to your point, right, we all have our own biases, our own prejudices that we bring forward to our own lives. That they're not easy to uh, to be overcome. By yeah, and, means I, they're I, not, and, right? and I was going to toss in there that I wholeheartedly agree with what Susanna was saying. And you know, I, I really feel like reincarnation is the really great equalizer, right, with time, because it yes, that. And even though we're not there yet, eventually we'll get it. And and I was going to throw one more thing in there. I think religion is also a factor in reincarnation, right? Because uh, not only a gender uh, uh, orientation, race, but also religion. Because if you think about it, the religion or the organized religion that we embrace is oftentimes nowadays in our planet a product of geography, right? Sure. It's, yep. it's, it's sometimes hard for you to be a Christian if you were born in, you know, in Malaysia uh, with a strong, um, you know, Muslim peace or 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 in Japan when we have a lot more Shinto and so forth. So there's a social product to organize religion that is also a factor. So I think that would also expand our our um, tolerance towards all these great things that we clearly need to work on. We need to work on accepting gender, race. Uh, we need to do a much better job of that. I think we can all agree and hopefully we're all working towards that. But I was also going to say that funny enough, I also think that reincarnation explains our biases a little bit too. Right. Because what do I mean by that? Because we've been accustomed to these belief systems that we've had for many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And so it's sometimes hard for us to let go of them in this life. So clearly they're learned. Right. Like we know that discrimination, discrimination and prejudice are learned behaviors. Uh, but sometimes we also bring those from past lives. We we don't necessarily wipe the slate completely clean and clean spiritually when we when we go from one life to the, to the next. We sometimes carry these biases. So it's only natural that sometimes we will also hold these beliefs that are not conducive to collaboration and and you know and great uh, awareness when we've uh, we've been used to having these same beliefs for like many lifetimes. So it takes time to change too, right? Sure. So to point point that out too. But I do believe that um, reincarnation, like Susanna beautifully said, is the great equalizer. It is what's going to yeah. eventually help us be more tolerant with each other too. I think, I think it's the missing it's the missing link, right? In, in Christianity, it's the missing link in, in a lot of the uh, philosophies that talk about, you know, the life after death or, or life after, you know, the grave. And and, and I, I, I do subscribe to that same uh, thought process. 
of course, right, following Spitta's teachings. And, uh, uh, but there's one, there's one thing I would say, though. When I was young, much younger, and uh, I thought that if everybody believed in reincarnation, the world will, you know, will be free of problems. And that's not <laughs> quite so, right? Look at yeah. some of the other you know, religions. Yeah. That, look at Indians, exactly. They believe in reincarnation, and that didn't change them much, right, in terms of don't we expect everything to be all, it's going to be all, all peaceful and all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So like We actually use that as a, a tool to enslave others, right? Um, oh, you were born there, you must be there for the rest of your life, therefore, yes. right? Exactly. Okay. So you got to be careful how we, how we frame things. How we frame things. I think it's a great point, Flavio, and um, we're reaching the end of our time, and I think that we uh, talked about very different perspectives, right, of the justice of reincarnation. Obviously, we cannot cover everything. It's just such a vast topic, and it's late. We are in a hotel room in San Francisco, Flavio and I, and... Poor Susanna is bringing <laughs> the midnight oil in Florida because we were crazy enough to call her. But uh, I want to talk to back to you guys and just to just do a zoom out and some high level summation of. So, what would you say about reincarnation, divine justice, in just a couple of minutes, so that we can wrap this up and invite folks to to send us more questions for for next episodes. Uh, Susanna, you can go first. After one hour, what we can sum up? I think, I mean, for me, it just, um, you know, it's um, thinking of life as uh, stages. Um, you know, we we started talking, I think, fairly quickly into, like, many different aspects. And so I would just... Um, through the probably the very beginning of where we should start thinking, you know, we're mortal beings, we are in a journey of enlightenment, and the way we like to think about it in spiritism is that, you know, no one can reach full enlightenment in one lifetime. So we're in a journey like stopping in different uh, classrooms, progressing. And uh, there is a connection. Everything is connected. There is a reason for everything. There is a meaning for every single experience, as we have talked about. And so there are so many things in the universe that we deal with and we don't understand, but we know that there is a reason behind, even with technology, simple technological stuff that we deal with. And I'm not quite sure how all these technologies are working right now to make me see you guys over there. But it works, and there is a system behind it, and I know it exists because I see the product of it. So, you know, same thing with our uh, lives. I mean, we're not going to understand everything, but I loved, loved the idea of the movies and the scenes. I think that really illustrates well. It made me think about the movie The Others, not that I want to talk get into that, but if you have seen that, I mean, you know, it's just like you, you, you're looking at that present scene and you really miss the entire uh, gist of the story, which is uh, I pretty much think what, um, you know, the concept of reincarnation is. We're just looking at a very small glimpse. There's so much more to our story and to who we are. I, and if I could uh, comment that, that's a great point. So I'll, I'll I'll go back to the scriptures because many people think that uh, because they, they follow Jesus' teachings, they shall not believe in reincarnation. It's against what Jesus t- said. And I'll add one more, one more comment too. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, 
right? And he tells uh, that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, right? Mm-hmm. In the same, I think it's John uh, three three. In the same, in the same essence that we have to come back here, right, to continue our evolution, to continue our 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 our, our ladder of progress that we all you know aspire to get one one day. When you look at uh, many different experiences, many different things that we we, we we do when we engage, right? When you look at our atonements, right? Since we talk about the afflictions or difficulties, obstacles, there's no, there's no such thing as divine justice to me without reincarnation. I can, only, I can only understand God as just and fair and all-powerful with the concept of reincarnation. Without it, right? God wouldn't be fair. God wouldn't be just. And to me, God wouldn't even exist, right? Because I wouldn't be able to, to comprehend it why there is something called God that we don't understand. To me, that, that's the missing link, again, right? That we need to, uh, that, that uh, to me makes no total sense. Yeah, I love what you guys said. I'm not going to add much to it because I think you guys nailed it. Um, I, I'm also very excited about the fact that as we grow in understanding, we can see that there's also some scientific studies that validate that besides the own study of mediumship and natural memories that kind of come back and, and, and show us that more and more um, there is a case for reincarnation happening. But I really like what Susanna helped us um, focus on and narrow back to, which was at the end of the day, it's important for us to remember that we are spirits first and incarnate bodies or souls that are occupying a physical body temporarily second. And when we remember that, I think that it makes it a lot easier for us to do with our day to day and understand that even though we're different, maybe we're white today or uh, you know, tomorrow we might not be white. We might be Christian today and tomorrow not Christian. That all this changes. It's not who we are. Uh, who we are is what we do, the, the, the values and, and the things that we carry on with us. And that there is always uh, you know, an effect to all the causes that we set out into the world every single day. So I, I really love that reincarnation brings it back. And I love talking to you guys because you guys always remind me of that, whether it be in science or the scriptures or just today commentary with people. It's fantastic. And hopefully we can reincarnate the show again and come back for another episode. <laughs> Uh, in the near future. <laughs> All right, next time the show is going to be on my uh, choice of time. You got it. I think it's only fair. It. Divine justice <laughs> will prevail. Uh, all right, thanks everyone. It was fantastic talking to you guys again. And have a good night. And there you have it. We took a first pass at divine justice and reincarnation, an important topic that also had us talking about discrimination, religion, and more. We also tried something new. We videotaped this conversation, which you can find at our YouTube channel. We hope you have enjoyed the Spiritist Conversation. If you did, please tell one friend about our show. Your host today was Dan Assisi, and our guests were Flavio Zanetti and Susanna Simões. We invite you to join the conversation by visiting our Facebook page, tweeting using the hashtag SCONVOS, or by emailing conversations at spiritism.org. Let us know how we are doing and where you want us to go next. We're here for you. The opening song you heard on the show was Take 5, played by David Brubach Quartet, recorded in San Francisco, California. 
Video and audio engineering by Eduardo Vega. No one was paid to take part in this broadcast. Thank you.